0: Hello, and welcome to Truth Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we're bringing in the new year with a Nazi comedy, Jojo Rabbit, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, which I really liked the trailer for when I first saw it. I think it looked pretty funny. Uh-huh. It's Taika Waititi, written and directed by, who is the guy behind Thor Ragnarok, uh-huh. and um, what we do in The Shadows which was pretty good. It's got a TV version now, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen it. And, um, Hunt for the Wilder People, which was lovely. Yes. And he's, he's a, he's a really funny bloke with a really nice sort of, I like his comic sensibility. Mm. And I like the look of the trailer for this. And then I started to get kind of wary just because, I don't know. I was, I was sort of worried about it, um, trivializing things that I think are actually worth being scared of these days. Yes. Um, it's a terrible film.
1: I uh, terrible. Film. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I, I laughed a lot, but, you know, if you read the newspapers at the moment, right, uh, the synagogue in Amsterdam is not printing its schedules of services because of fear of attacks. Mm. You know, the rising incidence of uh, uh, anti-Semitism in New York, mm. right, which is... Incredible. I mean, if you think about it, maybe some small town somewhere, but New York, right? The woman who was murdered in Paris, you know, for Mm. being Jewish. I mean, anti-Semitism seems to be like, you know, on the increase and and really in frightful ways. And this film makes me deeply uncomfortable.
0: Spoilers coming up. Spoil the whole thing. I wouldn't have said it made me uncomfortable. And I would have to admit that I... Wanted to come into it with a more open mind than I did. I think I had some prejudices because of what I was worried about. Oh. So i have to admit to that. Um, but it didn't really turn me around. No. I think it's superficial. It was, so what it shows is, uh, I think Berlin, because when the film ultimately ends with um, the war being over, that's with the liberation of Berlin, I think. which is So I don't think it ever spells it out that's where they're living. But
1: Yeah, well, there are no cool. landmarks. So it's just a, a town in Germany. Really. Yeah,
0: it's a town in Germany, a town or a city in Germany. And this young lad, is 10 years old, Jojo, uh, is part of the Hitler youth and he's fanatical and he loves Hitler and he imagines Hitler to be his, his like, best mate, he's an, he's an imaginary friend of his, mm. played by Taka Waititi. Uh, he lives with his mum, his dad's away uh, fighting the war, as so far as he knows, as so far as he's told. And his mum, uh, turns out, is uh, giving safe haven in a sort of annex, in an attic bit, to a Jewish girl who's 17 years old. Jojo discovers her and then, of course, that completely screws with him and he can't handle it. And then he's he's terrified of Jews in all those ways that you kind of don't believe that people are really scared of Jews anymore. But Mm. some still do. I mean, my gran, I'm Jewish, and my gran, when she was evacuated to Coventry in the wars, she was born in 27, so she'd have been 14 or 15 maybe, um, went to live with a family who... Had uh, never seen a Jew before. No one had seen a Jew before, mm. and everyone came round. Oh, look! Where are the horns? Mm. You know, genuinely, that's what. They, so people sort of people certainly held those ideas back then. And I think a lot of people probably still do who aren't all that educated mm. and don't think they know what Jews are.
1: Yes. Um, well, my grandmother, who you know was a lovely woman, <laughs> uh, but you know, my, one of my aunts went to work as a nanny for a Jewish family in Montreal. You know, and my grandmother in Spain, basically, you know, wrote her as, you know, forbidding her to work for people who'd killed Christ. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's not very far from, you know. No.
0: I um, think Christopher Hitchens had something quite interesting to say about the reason that Jews are hated by almost everybody. He said that um, Jews are the one people who you know actually encountered uh, Jesus and Muhammad, hmm. the, the, the prophets of these other two you know, major religions, and said, no, not for me. Hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're all right, but they're not the Messiah. Hmm. And so they go, okay, well, the Jews aren't for us then. They don't <laughs> like our Messiah.
1: Anyway, the um, point is that we're too close to anti-Semitism, or I'm too close to it, I suppose, uh, to feel comfortable with the film's depiction of it. Because yeah. actually, it just reiterates and, and recirculates stereotypes and images that are still I think all too powerful you know and the film doesn't deflate them you know it kind of it deploys them really uh so I had quite uncomfortable moments yeah uh in the film I mean it made me queasy right so it had moments of humor that worked it actually moved me you know yeah as it well. moved me a little bit at the end uh uh but I agree that I do think it is it is superficial um uh, it's, you know, so for example, the, the the film that I was comparing it to was To Be or Not to Be Lubitsch. Lubitsch, you know, and that wonderful scathing comedy, right? And so I was thinking, well, of course, you know, you have to you have to make fun of these things, right? But the thing about the the Lubitsch and Lubitsch is, I think, the kindest and most delightful of the of directors. You know, but his poking fun of the Nazis was pretty scathing, and actually, this is like a this well, is in not... the middle of the war as well. And in the middle of the war, this is nowhere near a scathing
0: or biting, or you know, it's it's kind of. You said that um, it, it doesn't. It deploys the images. It doesn't kind of deflate them enough. Yeah, I, mean, I think I would say the problem with it is that the, all those images are actually deflated. That's kind of what I mean when I say it's superficial. It deploys this imagery. Um, but it doesn't make me. Uh, it doesn't give any insight into why people thought this way, what was so scary about it. So the thing about the thing about Nazis is. It's, it's funny, it, it, I was thinking about the way that the word Nazi and the word Jew are used, are in some respects kind of similar, because once that's applied to someone, you just think that's who they are. Mm. Um, and of course, they're not entirely the same. Like being Jewish has got a cultural identity, and being a Nazi is something that you become, and it's an ideology. Uh, it's also a cultural identity. But not in the same way, right. Um, and, you know, it kind of made me think that. One of the things that the film, in its superficial way, is is making very obvious is Jews are people like anybody else. You know that's so all that's completely clear with the the Jewish character, the girl. You know she she spins all these stories to Jojo about what the Jews are like and how we all sleep upside down and stuff. And then you just know they're bollocks, right? Mm. You hopefully know they're bollocks. Um, but when it comes to Nazis, the thing that's important is to understand that Nazis are people too and it's not like it's not like a special case of evil where you become a Nazi they are people with ideas and those ideas need to be understood and attacked and
1: contested
0: yeah right and actually the image of Nazis here is either like the Gestapo ones who are just, just believe what they believe and they're down the line and they are official and all the things that you would expect the other ones you get are I had a real problem with the Sam Rockwell character.
1: He's very endearing.
0: Well, it's not so much that he's endearing, although he is, but it's that he's a, a kind of resistor, right? He's supposed to be this this German captain. Um, and you're given some context. So you're given the context of he was fighting in the war and then he screwed something up and that's why he's babysitting all these kids in the youth and he's not happy with it and he's a bit of a drunk and he's very sarcastic about the whole thing. So you get some context as to why he... Has kind of lost, I suppose, a certain level of faith with the Nazi movement, that kind of thing. But still, he at a very uh, important point in the film understands that this girl is a Jew and helps her not get captured and killed. That's pretty serious, and it's not something I believe at all. Mm. And I think, I think these kind of you get this real sense of a an active resistance within the middle of Germany at the height of the war. And I don't... And I don't believe it. And I think it's this... Well, there was it's like, one there's a, there's like there's a There's like... this like a lazy ideological project in there.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean... Um... My main faults with the film... Is... That it's kind of... You know, I think it's funny... In this typical Taika Waititi way, really. You know, which is kind of gentle... You know, and off the wall. And there's a kindness behind it, really. Um, so... You know, I laughed a lot more than I expected to do, mm. but I just think, you know, A, it's it's not the right time for the subject, <laughs> I don't think, and it's not the the right way of handling it, you know, I think, I think the material is still very volatile, you know, and one needs to be tactful around it, and then if you are going to attack it, you know, you have to do something kind of better and more focused and more resisting, you know, than this, really, you know, I think there were there were whole stretches of the film where I was slightly bored. I didn't know what was happening, and then there were moments that were like comical turns, but they were full of charm. So, for example, um, what's his name now? Steve the, Merchant. Steve Merchant as the Gestapo. Officer? As the Gestapo officer. I mean, it's quite funny, and he gives a very charming performance. But actually, I just think it's kind of wrong, you know, to yeah. to to make that a. A kind of a charming comic turn,
0: you know. I, well, I had this. I had a similar problem with YTT as the imagined Hitler uh-huh. because he's not actually Hitler. He's JoJo's imaginary Imagine, friend version. Yeah. But um, I think I think on one hand, I, I thought it was lazy storytelling and character development to to basically give JoJo this imaginary friend who he can have these dialogues with mm. that, that express you know kind of the way he's feeling and the problems and the conflicts and all that sort of stuff. I thought it was pretty lazy. Like better storytelling would have. Not needed that mm. right, um, but also then bringing in bringing in this kind of comic Hitler is it has it has this feeling of he's he, he dances and he moves funny and he eats a giant chocolate unicorn and he's silly and funny and it's and I think it contains within it this implicit idea that by making Hitler look ridiculous, it punches him, and I don't think it does at all I think and actually
1: that, it does the opposite it's because it makes him endearing i mean. You know, I think it's I think it's a lovely performance. It's it is like a comic turn mm. but actually the effect of it is, you know, that you think, Oh, you know, Hitler's so sweet.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And wacky, exactly, yeah.
1: you know, and charming. I mean, I do think it kind of gifts
0: off uh the wrong message. I you. just think it's something to be taken more seriously than it does, and I think I and I really I, I dislike this again, I think implicit idea, not just in this, but in a lot of comedy, and a lot of particularly British comedy I find it, where um, you know, pe- people have this idea that we could never have had a Hitler in this country, speaking about Britain, this is because we would never have taken him seriously. Once you saw that silly mustache and all the rest, you know, we'd have laughed him out of the room. Well, that's bollocks. And yeah. that's a ridiculous level of hubris. And it's that attitude that means that we actually could have a Hitler. You know? Actually,
1: you know what I was thinking in the film, you know, and again, kind of trying to relate it to Lubitsch, because he's the first one who came to mind, is how no one in American cinema has the balls. You know to make a trump film mm. right like if part of what comedy is meant to do is kind of puncture pretensions and you know and kind of deflate and critique and lay bare you know actualities kind of you know through comedy right kind of why isn't anyone in american cinema doing it there's so much to like poke fun at you know at the moment right so saturday night live does it Right. Yeah. It on, uh, I was going to say it happens on TV quite a bit. It happens on it's... TV, but there isn't a there isn't a great dictator film, no. or you know, or or a to be or not to be, or you know, any of those kind of really kind of scathing comedies, you know, about Trump, you know, and yet, kind of, what better material can you be given, right? So also, it's very safe to kind of put this in the past.
0: Yeah, right? like these are not people who need satirizing anymore, in mm. a way.
1: Whereas the followers, the the Viktor Orbans of the world, or the Bolsonaro's of Brazil mm. or the Trump's, you know, in America, uh, or, or indeed the, the um, Farages, the Farages of this world, they do need puncturing. Yeah. Right. And no one's taking them on, you know, so.
0: No, but then I'm also, I also get tired of the idea that, um, you know, people who, like, I love comedy, you know, and I love, I love good satire, but I don't believe that it ever really makes a difference. I think it does. I really don't. Well, I think I think, think, it think and the, thing, the idea that you know, I, oh, the, the reason that they they get rid of comedians and artists at, at first is because they threaten them. I think it's to an extent true, but I don't. But it's, histori- ulti- it's historically true. It's yeah, it's, it's it's historically true, but I don't. But I don't think, you know, it's not it's not because they're scared of their power being diminished by being made fun of. Well, I, I because don't... ultimately an army of jackbooted thugs will overcome a satire.
1: Well we also know now that that is also true but all the totalitarian regimes the first thing they do is they clear out you know the writers and the intellectuals and you know basically shoot them or leave them without jobs so that is a fact.
0: I know that's true uh, but I mean the reasoning behind it I think is well, the reason
1: overstated. Be- well the reason behind it is because they're scared of them if not they wouldn't touch them you know it takes a lot of effort to root them out you know so and the effort is undertaken and I think you underestimate the power of comedy. I think, you know, kind of comedy has the power to change entirely your perception of something. As soon as you start laughing at at someone, right, like, you know, in particular ways, they can never recover and they often don't.
0: I would like that to be true, but I think in the case of people who are really powerful, it's not. And in the case of our ideologies that are really powerful. And also, this speaks to an echo chamber, I think, where one side sees what they want and the other side doesn't or ignores it, goes on with it. Well, I mean, I think... Uh,
1: um that that is also true. You know. Um but more
0: comedians in the cabaret did not stop Hitler. You know? I, I just I I think it's overstated and I think it's a bit of a crutch that we like to use. We like to think that we're better than than these ideologies. We like to think that we're more powerful than that we can only Look, that we can punch them. Separate, I just don't
1: agree let's with Let's them. separate strands there, mm. right? Because I do think um that we can be complacent and i th- i certainly don't think that we're better or more aware or smarter you know than our antecedents right so you know if stuff happened in the past in places like germany it wasn't because germans were stupid right it's not because we are we are more clever and would never let that thing happen in fact these things are happening all over the world now you know kind of one needs a more glo- global perspective i think one of the problems with like british culture at the moment is that it's entirely insular, even, you know, the intellectuals are entirely insular, right? Like kind of, you know, you read the newspapers and you see so little about the world and about the rest of Europe and, you know, kind of what's going on. Um, you know, it's, it's mainly focused on, on Britain and America, and it's a problem, right? So, so I do think that, um, you know, we need a greater awareness of these issues, and if we had a greater awareness of these issues, we wouldn't feel so superior to the past so you know that's one thing um but i also think that you know uh comedy is very powerful that it does have uh the power to puncture of course you know kind of we live in a place with like you know tons of different media and so on so you know for example uh um let's say the queen you know all the all the comic effects making fun of the queen well you know in a way they get drowned out because you know, you also have so many loving homages of the Queen at all the time, and all these things kind of circulate in relation to each other. It's not as if you make one great film that kind of, like, really pokes fun at somebody, Mm. you know, that it'll kill that, because it is kind of, you know, competing with other dialogues and other kind of, you know, it's part of a larger dialogue, I suppose. Uh, But nonetheless, I mean, there have really been instances where kind of somebody has just not been able to show their face again because, you know, of the particular effectiveness of a comic... Kind of uh, sketch about them, I agree. and so I think. Uh, those... I mean, if
0: you look at John Major, the way he was, he was kind of skewered in um, Spitting Image in the late eighties, early nineties. He was he, the puppet they used for him was entirely grey, mm. and that really followed him around mm. that image. But then, on the other hand, if you look at the way Spitting Image uh, portrayed Margaret Thatcher, it portrayed her as strong yeah. amongst her uh, cabinet, and I think that really followed her around too and made her stronger culturally. Sure, you know. I don't... Anyway, the point is, I think. I think culture has an influence, you know.
1: I mean, I think one shouldn't overestimate it, it's not like, uh, you know, having an army entirely at your disposal to do your, you know, everything you will. Uh, But in a democracy, it's amongst the most powerful of tools. I agree. But, uh,
0: Uh, I mean, I do agree, ultimately. Like, of course, culture is important and has an influence, but really all I'm getting to is I think we do um, overestimate it. I think we do think it's more powerful than it is sometimes. Perhaps. But, you know, le- le kind of, uh, let's, let's go
1: before that. I think before you can make the argument, right, that we uh, overvalue it or, you know, think it's more powerful than it is, that we should first have something, right? And my argument is that our culture is not producing that at the moment, right? Kind of, you're not getting kind of these satire or certainly in cinema, there, you know, the, where are these satires of Trump? Mm. or of Johnson, or of Brexiteers, or, like, you know, kind of, you have lone comedians kind of, you know, doing uh, 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 monologues uh, Mm. on it, uh, and there's a kind of, um, an ironic way of talking about those things, Mm. you know, but that's not the same as, you know, elements of the culture really kind of taking on board like this project, to critique it properly, you know, which I don't think we've seen. So I think before we can say, oh, you know, it's only partially effective or it's not very effective or whatever, you know, we have to ask, why, why, why is it non-existent? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Why is there an absence of it at the moment? The thing is, the late-night shows in America um, really are chock-full of Trump material. Like, that is the standard monologue. It's mm. you know, on, on Stephen Colbert... And on um, Seth Meyers, and I don't watch Kimmel and uh, the other Jimmy hmm. Fallon, um, but I'm, I imagine they talk about him a lot as well. So, th- so it's kind of standard, but also it's kind of blase, or it's like this is the thing that we do, and then we get on to the interview. It's it it doesn't feel important enough. And actually, at one point, I got really pissed off with it when when Donald Trump was attacking um, the squad. They called them these four. Uh, women who uh, were kind of banding together. There there was uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar and a couple of others, I don't remember their names. Um, And uh, Trump was really attacking them. And on Colbert, they were doing this thing where they had like a a 70s sort of uh, Charlie's Angels type sting that went, the squad, And that's how they introduced the the piece on the squad they would do every night. And it really started getting me pissed off because I thought, like, Donald Trump might actually get one of these women killed. Yes. You know, he, he'll piss off his followers enough that one of them might go out and, and yeah. kill one of them. And then how will you feel with your, the squad, doo-doo. You know, it, it, it all got very, I think in doing the little bit every night, it actually does fail to take it seriously. I think it
1: does the opposite. Oh, yeah, I think it normalises it anyway. Mm. Right? And also it trivialises it, because, you know, you have maybe two or three good jokes about Trump, you know, and then Harrison Ford comes in to sell his latest movie or whatever, and actually all of those things are made equivalent, yeah. So, I mean, all of those shows are subject to, you know, a kind of uh, the normal kind of capitalist structures and drives, really. And, you know, so kind of the critique is rendered ineffectual. You know, you get two jokes about Trump, like five jokes about Harrison Ford's latest movie, or you get kind of uh, commercials for cars in the middle of it mm. and all this aspirational stuff. I mean, that is not what I'm talking about, yeah. you know.
0: Exactly. Uh, and so, when you were saying that uh, uh, it's not it's not the time to make this film, I mean, I would completely disagree. Like, it is the time. The pro- the thing is to do it better than this. Maybe. You know, I, I mean, I I'm I am wary. I know what you mean when you say that um, about about making a film this light, like because I I have, I have a similar criticism. Like, it's not it's not taking it seriously enough. It's not insightful enough. But I am always wary about saying, well, it's not the time because I, don't, I I also don't want to kind of be the guy who's like. You know I just don't find this kind of humor funny because I do find it funny when it's good and when it feels contextually kind of justified and appropriate and i I just this felt out of place with the society it goes into it felt like it didn't it felt too light for yes the world it's going into and so jojo the character jojo hates Jews and he's a full-on little Hitler youth kid but as you say he's kind of quite endearing like everyone is in this Um, And what I really want, rather than the imagery of a kid wearing that uniform and has the knife and his room's covered in posters and he believes all this, um, I wanted something deeper that said, why does he believe this? How has he been taught this? Why has he been taught this? How does everyone think in this world? Like, that's that's kind of what I want, because that is the stuff that really relates to the way we live today Mm. and the problems that we face today with, with fascism. And that's not what the film does. The film says, this is kind of what Nazi Germany looked like. And I don't think it gets under the surface of psychology and, and ideology. No, I
1: mean... I don't think it sets out to, right? Well, because, no. you know, in a way, I think the film is, is very light, right? It's, it's set out to be very light. I mean, my problem is, in a way, it's success. That it is very sweet, And it is very very endearing, you know. But in the process, I think it makes all these kind of Nazi characters and Nazism itself kind of sweet and endearing. It might have been a wrong turn in history. But, you know, anyone can make it. And, you know, fundamentally people are nice, really. And they just get caught up in
0: these things. I mean... It definitely seems to say that, like, everyone gets a chance to do the right thing and they often do in this. Mm. Whereas Lubitsch, his Nazis were grotesque
1: and threatening and deadly... And stupid, right? It's like when the guy goes at the end of the film, j- jump out of the plane, they go, hi, Hitler, jump, right? That's telling you something about like blind following, and mm. yeah, so it's funny, yeah, but it's also like
0: extremely critical. There's nothing like this in this show. No, no, certainly not to that degree. There is the scene where the Gestapo um, searches the house, and um, Steve Merchant has a couple of good lines about. You know, this is—it was quite an uncomfortable line, and I think in the right way. This is the kind of little boy's room I like to see. Yeah, he says, and then uh, it's a line from the trailer. Um, I wish all of our uh, young boys had your blind fanaticism. Yeah, which is a nice line, and it, and it's got a bit of a sting to it. But um, that's kind of all it is. Although I did think that that whole scene actually had quite a bit of tension that I enjoyed. I thought it was a well put together. Scene.
1: I think it's very well put together. And of
0: course, it, the message underlying it is they can't tell that she's
1: Jewish. I know, but. but you know. I know and I agree, but for me, the main message of it is aren't Nazis sweet and charismatic and actually honourable, right? The reading of the passport, you know, and the lying above the age. Mm. I uh, agree. I, so I
0: that's what I don't like about the Rockwell yeah. character. Um, um so Yeah, and it is too kinda of charming, but but I but still it's 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 aiming at a certain thing, and I think you know, like I say, that, that there's been so much in, in the film about about the f- literal physical differences between Jews and everybody else mm. that all these people believe that they have horns and that they lay eggs and all the rest of it. Um, that I think it's a- it actually fairly subtly done in that scene where it's not it's not pointed out at any time they couldn't tell you were Jewish. Mm. It's just there they can't tell you, and it's and it's that obvious that that element of the hatred is so obviously stupid. Yes. Um, yeah, so, so I, I like that element of it. Mm, well, it's okay, only I an can, element.
1: I can see it. Anyway, um, I I laughed and it moved me, but also I think it's very superficial uh, and it made me uncomfortable.
0: So that discomfort, we've talked about it in terms of them being too sweet and charming and nice and kind of under, like liking everyone. Not, are, are there other elements to it? Yes, there are. I mean, I think... The thing that
1: you mind less, I minded more. You know, I think actually that, you know, those images of Jews as bats hanging from the ceiling. like You know, all, the, all that story about Jews are really like this, you know, and they have horns and, and then you're shown the images and so on. I think uh, you'd be surprised that, you know. No, I was
0: definitely thinking that. People yeah. probably still really do think exactly, that. Exactly, you
1: yeah. know. And so circulating those ideas and those images which, you know, were really a staple of the, third, the 20s, 30s and 40s, right? Mm. You know, and it's the same images and the same cliches. So, so to kind of recirculate them like that under the guise of poking fun at them is to have a much more secure sense of moral order in the world than I
0: have. I agree. I think it, it, it assumes that everyone knows that this is nonsense. And by simply putting it in the film... And saying people believe this, we will all laugh. So how could they believe that? And yeah, that's not necessarily. The case. You know
1: those young men who were chanting, "Jews will not overtake us. Jews yeah. will not replace us. Or will yeah. not replace Char- us." Ch-
0: was it Charles Charleston, was it?
1: I would like to see what they make of scenes like this.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean it's amazing the way that Nazis um, can can Nazis and the alt right and whatever you want to call them can can turn um, sort of satire to. Mm into whatever they want to, to make themselves to turn, you know turn the symbols around and make themselves happy with them yes. and then start using them as dog whistles and codes and things like it's it's really another half of the world that you just don't see if you're not in it yes or you don't research in that kind of thing and and you would always be surprised so so this film does come across as, as being made by someone who has never actually encountered that sort of thing yes and has no familiarity with it and doesn't even really understand that it exists
1: yes I agree
0: despite all of that. It would be unfair to say that there's kind of no skill in it, or that it's it doesn't achieve things that it wants to achieve. As, as we both agree that we move towards the end, mm. the relationship between Jojo and uh, Elsa is it Ilsa? Yeah. You know the relationship between those two is quite touching. Again, it comes out of, or it, you know, it's it's trying to trying to make this very sort of basic point that if you just get to know someone then all of this kind of hatred falls away and again I wish I wish you actually understood why Jojo thinks the way he does more I, I think it's a problem that the Jewish character is a bit of a blank to an extent she's really only there to um, provide an easy moral lesson f- feed into Jojo's story yeah. and character development and actually the fear that she has and, the, and what she's gone through you don't really feel.
1: Anyway that, I wasn't moved by that at all I mean the moment that moved me was when you know Scarlett Johansson who plays Jojo's mother uh, Gets hung for her political activism, and it's actually very beautifully shown because you just see her shoes Yeah, and there's a whole thing about showing love through the tying up of shoes and so on You know and there's a moment where he sees the shoes and he realizes it's his mother and he hugs the shoes And he doesn't want to look up. You know, like he doesn't want to know that it's her quite yet I, And so I found that quite moving
0: yeah, and it's very well set up because throughout the film we've seen her shoes. Yeah, and when she kind of walks above him on the thing, and and she, the shoes are I love and you see just her shoes dancing. It's actually very elegantly done mm. that, and quite tastefully done because you don't see the full figure of her. You you know, yeah. it's, you just know that's what's happened. And um, although I'd say the the moment, I mean, I didn't move me. Although I got it, the, the moment that moved me was much more conventional. It was it was when uh, uh, you know the two of them. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they basically like say thank you and help each other and all that sort of stuff mm. like, there was a moment there towards the end that moved me and I also think that um, I do think that Taika Waititi handles some tonal shifts in the film quite well uh-huh. um, so so, actually, so the moment that you mentioned where the mother dies would be one of them and when uh, when the Russians and Americans uh, uh, liberate Germany at the end basically right. and then you start seeing you, uh, you see all these all these children being handed guns and forced to fight mm. and uh, you know mothers uh, dead in the rubble um, it gets quite dark some of that imagery and I think Waititi handles the shift into that more somber more uh, kind of serious tone quite well the thing that I like best
1: about the film is the relationship between the two boys yeah, yeah, Jojo and, and his, and his, his second friend. best friend <laughs> 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 you know I thought that was like kind of Really sweet and really funny. The little boy's um, lovely. He's a good actor as well. Yeah. So um, those are my favourite bits. And so I think it's important to say, right, like, you know, on a certain level, uh, the film works. Uh, on a certain level, it makes me uncomfortable. And I do think that it's 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 very superficial. And, and that is a criticism so you can argue well you know kind of comedies being superficial is not a big problem but actually i think it is i think you know uh, uh this is this is this is very light stuff even for comedy
0: yeah I, I i would say it's kind of it's to do with it handling sensitive material in the context of you yeah know, it, it's clearly trying to trying to talk about um the modern day, or relate this to the modern day to some degree. It's not saying you know the Nazi, Nazi Germany was just separate from now. There's a reason that this has been made sure, and and I don't think it actually makes those connections well enough. And I think it essentially does feel like it separates that time mm. and says, "Well, this was different," mm. you know. And and ultimately that that thing of everyone in the everyone gets to do something nice, mm. and everyone gets to say we don't really believe this mm. is a problem. I think it's also an issue which would go along with this that the film is set in uh, 1944 and forty-five, when the German war effort is already yes. uh, kind of clunking to a crash like right at the start you've got um, the Sam Rockwell character saying I'm going to teach all of you young boys to grow up and then die basically is what mm. he says like he's already saying the war is over at this point almost um, so you know it would be more interesting to do this when Germany when Nazi Germany is at the height of its powers
1: yes you know like I think the but then there would uh, have th- been no easy solutions so. exactly you know, but that's the um, point.
0: It gives it an easy solution. It gives it this context to say, "Well, this is why people." It also makes it more believable that people are giving up on the war, mm-hmm, if you like, mm-hmm. because it's failing. Mm-hmm. You know, but imagine this when when it's at its height. It yeah, when so, they
1: were winning victories
0: all over Europe. Exactly. Um, so I think it's it it makes easy or lazy even decisions and treats the subject too lightly. Mm-hmm. Righto. Uh well, thank you very much for listening. Yes. <laughs> we are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on... iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube and Spotify to mm. listen to us. Uh, on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Great, thank you. Cheerio. <laughs>